Hey family, in this video, we're going to really be talking through the question, who are you? So today I really want you to take some time to really process, do you know you? Let's get right into a text that I really want to take some time to break down. It was a text that I discussed with my ninth grade class and we got real deep and I wanted to share with you all on what we processed through John the Baptist. We're going to be reading from John chapter one, verses 19 through 23. The word of God says this, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, give me one second, to ask him, who are you? Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Verse 21, and they asked him, what then are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Verse 22. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Verse 23. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, there's so much in this text that I really want you to begin to see how the word of God is not just stories, metaphors, analogies, parables, but there are a lot of principles hidden within the framework or the fabric of these texts. And we need to become very familiar of them to begin to see how we respond or how does the word of God read us. And so let's start with, uh, man, we got a lot of things we want to cover but I won't take, some, take too much time because I want to answer some of you guys' questions. But let's break down verse 19. Verse 19 says this, and this is the testimony of John. DJ Corbett is watching right now. This is the same thing that he has to ask himself. This is the testimony of DJ. This is the testimony of Josh. Whoever and whatever your name is, this is the testimony. Now let's keep reading. It says, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him who are you? The question I want to ask you is, when people ask, who are you, do you have an answer? When people ask, who are you, do you have a clear, distinctive answer to be able to answer even your critics? I wrote this, knowing who you are is of paramount importance because it serves as the compass guiding your life's journey. It provides a deep understanding of your strengths, values, and purpose, which in turn allows you to make informed decisions, set meaningful goals, and pursue a life that aligns with your authentic, original self. Without this self-awareness, you and I risk drifting aimlessly, feeling unfulfilled, and making choices that may not resonate with our true desires and potential. Therefore, self-discovery is the key to personal growth, joy, and a life that genuinely reflects your unique identity and aspiration. So we must understand that knowing who we are, especially in Christ, is of paramount importance. Knowing more about LeBron, knowing more about Luca, knowing more about this actress, this actor, this athlete, this individual, this influencer, this entrepreneur, knowing more about them should not take precedence of knowing God and knowing yourself. Because when you know yourself, when people ask, your words won't be jumbled, your mind won't be confused, and your life won't be wandering aimlessly. 
It says this right here provides a deep understanding of your strengths, values, and purpose, which in turn, this is the benefit, the outcome, will in turn allow you to make informed decisions, meaningful goals, and pursue a life that aligns with your authentic, original, created self. It says the consequence is that without this self-awareness, without knowing who you are, not being able to communicate who you are, you risk or we risk drifting aimlessly. Are you guided uh, specifically, strategically, or is your life wandering aimlessly? Let's keep going. Uh, you risk drifting aimlessly, feeling unfulfilled. I read an article from Forbes that says 900 million people worldwide and 70% of the U.S. workforce are working or living unfulfilled. That's too many people not tilling their fields or not fulfilling God's will for their life. And it's causing them um, to wander aimlessly, to feel unfulfilled, and to make choices that do not resonate with who God created them to be and the potential he has for them. Now, I love what John said in verse 20. He says he confessed and did not deny. You have to know who you are so well that you don't deny it. How many of us have completely denied our original selves? How many of us have completely denied what God want us, wants us to do? We got to be at a place where I don't care what your mom say, dad say, friends say, society says. Do not deny it. Do not deny what God has created you to be. And a lot of people are not as confident as John was being able to say, you know what? I confess and I will not deny who I am. But he continues to read. He says, I know why you're coming. I know why you're inquiring. He says, I am not the Christ. One of the things, one of the best things for you and I to know is not only to know who we are, but most importantly or equally important, knowing who we're not. Knowing who you're not or knowing who we're not or is just as equally important as knowing who we are. That's why it is. You got to be able to say, I am not that person. I am not this person. I am who Christ has made me to be. As a new creature in Christ, this is who I am. And my question back to you is, do you know you? If you don't know you, then you will end up being a copy of somebody else who knows. So John was confident. He says, I confess and I do not deny that I am, I, I am clearly aware of who I am, but I'm also aware that I am not the person that you seek. Next verse says, and they asked him, what then are you Elijah? He said again, I am not. We're going to get to that word I am in a minute. He says, I am not. They also asked, are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So verse 22, so they said to him, who are you? Once again, they named a bunch of people. Are you not, or shouldn't you be this? Shouldn't you be a doctor? No. Should you be a lawyer? No. Shouldn't you go to school for this? No. You got to be able to say, no matter who the individual is, you got to be able to say, I know who I am so clearly. I know who I am so distinctively. I know who I am as an original that no matter who you list off, no matter who you're trying to get me to be, I can confidently say I am not. Verse 22, so they said to him, who are you? <clears throat> they say we need <laughs> to give an answer to those who sent us. Here's the second part we're going to get to. What do you say about yourself? The words that we say over ourselves are so important. If people won't ask, if people don't ask who you are, 
or if they do ask who you are, then subconsciously they'll create an environment that will have you question or make you articulate words over the atmosphere of your life that you should never speak over your life. Now I wrote this, it's essential to say the right things over ourselves. It's essential to say the right things over ourselves because the words we speak have a profound impact on our self-image, mindset, and ultimately our actions. John the Baptist's response when asked, what do you say about yourself, teaches us a valuable lesson in self-affirmation and identity. And I wrote some point here why it's important, but I want to labor on that. It's essential. It's essential for us to tap into our potential to say the right things because the words we speak don't have a little effect. It has a profound impact on how we see ourselves. It has a profound impact on our mindset and ultimately our actions. So how we see ourselves will determine how we think about ourselves and how we think about ourselves will determine how we act from ourselves. Words do not care. Your, your essence, who you are, your mindset, your self-image, your actions can care less if you really meant what you said. The, the power of words, there's no hollow words. All words carry their specific weight. Every word carries a significant weight and it, can, it carries a significant impact. So when you say certain words over yourself, the, 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 the frequency and the energy by which you give off as a human being will be drastically impacted by those words. My friend, when was the last time you saw uh, the sun fall? When was the last time you saw the moon fall? When was the last time you saw the stars fall? When was the last time? Those things are still being sustained off of let there be. God cares about our words. For every idle word that we say, we will be held responsible for because God cares about words. Because words don't only, not only create worlds, it creates worlds for other people. And so we have to be very careful what we say about ourselves. That's why when people ask, what do you have to say about yourself? Not only do you need to know who you are. You also need to know what you should say over yourself. Now, here's, I forgot how many points that I wrote down. Number one, the, here, here's why it's important to know what to say over yourself. Number one, self-identification. By declaring positive and affirming statements above ourselves, we shape our self-identity. This can boost our confidence and self-esteem. That's one reason. Number two, alignment with truth. Just as John the Baptist spoke the truth about himself, we should align our self-affirmations with our genuine qualities, values, and purpose. Speaking the right things keeps us honest with ourselves. So important. So we have to make sure that our words are aligned with God's truth. So that when we speak from the roof of our mouth and when we speak from, from that voice box of ourselves, then it will connect with our genuine godly qualities, qualities and values and purpose that was God-given. And this will keep us honest. Number three, empowerment. The words we speak have the power to empower or disempower us. Positive affirmations build self-belief and resilience, helping us overcome challenges. So the words that we speak and knowing what words to speak will empower us. Next, self-fulfilling prophecies. When uh, what we consistently affirm about ourselves can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
If we say we are capable, strong, and purpose-driven, we're more likely to act in alignment with those qualities. But what happens if we speak the opposite? Right now, you're eating the fruit of the words you spoke yesterday. You're eating the fruit of the words you thought yesterday. So we have to understand that we are prophets and we prophesy. The issue is we prophesy, but those prophesies turn into prophecies, and now we see what we prophesied. The prophesying means that it's not in concordance to what God has prophesied over us. That's why Paul spoke to Timothy. He says, stir up that gift that was prophesied to you. And so when you begin to know what the word of God says about you, those are prophetic words. But when we get so caught up saying negative things, then we'll end up having what we say, and then we'll end up being false prophets. Now, next, what impact on others? Our self-affirmations can influence how others perceive and treat us. So important. Speaking positive about ourselves can encourage respect and positive interaction. It is very important, even though it may be a, a, a co conflict with it. You got to be able to say, hey, man, I'm going to teach you how to treat me. I'm going to speak so positive of myself that I'm going to shut you down when you say things that's trying to shut me up or shut in the purpose within. So it has impact on others. So when you have self-affirmations, it can influence how other people perceive and treat you. So when you positive, people's negativity cannot thrive in a joyful environment, a positive environment, or an environment with self-respect. Hey, don't say those things about me. Don't say those words over me. That's why I say all the time, I cast down every vain imaginations and every thought that rises up against me in the name, every thought that rises up in the, against me in a day of judgment shall be condemned. I just don't let people just say anything within my environment, within my world. I shut it down respectfully. It also has a positive impact on others that it becomes a, 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 a phrases that are carried through generations and through different areas of people's lives. Mental and emotional health. The right self-affirmations can enhance our mental and emotional well-being, reducing stress and anxiety. Words have that power. Motivation. Positive self-affirmations can serve as motivation. Encourage us to take action towards our goals. Hey, I got to get up and go into the gym. I got to do better. I got to treat my wife. All these different kinds of affirmations, those are positive words, knowing what to say. In summary, the way we answer the question, what do you say about yourself, can profoundly affect our self-perception and the trajectory of our lives. It's essential to speak the right things over ourselves to reinforce our true identity and purpose, fostering a positive and fulfilling life journey. Now, the one thing that I want to get to before I get into what, uh, what uh, John the Baptist said in verse uh, 23, and I'm going to kind of go over seven points there. But he said, I am three times. John the Baptist said, I am three times. He says, I am not the Christ. He also was asked if he was alive. He said, I am not. And then when it came, came down to clarity, he says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now I want to break down the phrase, I am. The reason why God said to Moses, tell them that I am, that I am sent you, was because God understood the power of I am. That if he would have said anything out of, outside of I am, then he would have been boxed into that phrase. We're the ones that call him Jehovah Jireh. We're the ones that call him Jehovah Nisi. We're the ones that got different kind of names that describes God. But when God describes himself, he says, I am that I am. 
because he knows that I, there's not enough words in a human vocabulary, nor does Moses have the time for me to say all the things that describes me after I am. The beautiful thing about I am is when an atheist says I am an atheist, do you know that atheist is already introducing the person he's talking to to God before he introduces his title? That anytime someone says I am whatever, even if they don't believe in God, the fact that they say I am an atheist proves that they believe that God is who he is because they said I am. Now, the thing that I want to get to you about the I am is that most of us have installed within our vocabulary multiple words that follow I am. See, we're not the I am that I am. So we just can't be walking around and saying I am that I am. We're not God. But everything that we say after I am has to connect to the I am. Everything that we say after I am has to embody the same qualities, the same characteristics, the same intentions, the same purposes of the I am. Anything that we say negative after the I am creates curses, creates things that self-destructs and cause chaos in a person's life. That's why we have to make sure that we have words that fully describe from God's word, from positive affirmations that partners in partnership with the personhood of God. Don't say anything negative after I am that doesn't match the I am. If it doesn't match God, then don't put it there. So I had my students today to list. They listed almost, almost 25 different positive words. And I say these words, I say list words that matches God's quality, that matches God's character, that matches how God wants us to live. And I asked them, how many of us regularly say these things? I got these from y'all. Post some stuff in the comments. If you're watching right now in the live chat, write some positive things that we should say over ourselves that embodies the nature, the characteristics, and qualities of the I am who is God. Let me see what you guys say. I'm going to do the same activity I do with my students. So go ahead and type. And even if you're watching this later, type it in the comments. Uh, write down qualities or affirmations that partners with or matches the qualities, things, that uh, connects with the I am who is God that we should be saying as children of God. I want to see what you guys say. Let's see what y'all say. I don't know if there's a delay, but let's see what are some positive things that we should say over ourselves that embodies what the I am wants us to say after I am. For example, my students was like, I am beautiful. A young lady said beautiful. Another young man said handsome. One person said intelligent. One person says uh, 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 genuine. Another person said kind. So you kind of see that the students begin to say affirmations over themselves. But when I ask the question, how many of them say these things often over themselves versus the negative counterfeit uh, of the others? Most people said they say the counterfeit person. The counterfeit version. Jody Summer says, I am self-controlled and self-disciplined. That is powerful. So God, because God is self-controlled and because God is self-disciplined, I can too. I am too. So we see the power of I am. That John the Baptist said, he says, number one, also saying I am is not only general, but specific. So there's general statements that I can say over myself at the I am because, because um. Uh, John clearly said, I am not the Christ. So being able to clearly say what you're not still equals what the I am is. So I am not an accountant. 
Joshua Azzi, I can never say I am an accountant. If I say I am an accountant, then I, the accountant piece is not connected to what I, the I am wants me to do. So even when it comes to who you are, you got to make sure that you put after I am what the I am wants you to do. You got to be able to say, no, I am an author. I don't care what anybody got to say about this Elijah should be an author or are you this person? No, you got to be able to say, I am an author. I am a creative. I am an entrepreneur. I am a business owner. I am a, a, a successful teacher. I am a, a whatever it is. But if you don't know who the I am is, you won't be able to know what to say after I am for yourself. Because just like John said, I am not the Christ, you got to be able to say, this is what I am not. Then you also got to be able to get very clear and say, no, I am the voice. <laughs> so you saw how John went through this gauntlet of questions and was able to answer the skeptics and the haters specifically and strategically. And what I want us to get to is to make sure that we are responsible or, or good stewards over God's name, I am. So if it's not who we are, I cannot say who I am if it's not who God says I am. I'm, I'm not going to say any type of negative words that breaks the phrase and the power of I am. Because I am is by far one of the most powerful statements on the planet. That's why God said that's my name. He says, even when the atheist says, I am an atheist, he introduces me before he introduces his false belief. Ooh, so powerful. So what does the I am want you to do? What does the I am want you to say? Because how you use his name will determine the power that flows in the words after. How you embody and how you embrace the phrase, I am, God's name, I am. That power in I am, it, if it drastically affects your self-image. I am a child of God. We, we, we can stop there. I am a child of God. That's the greatest I am phrase you can ever say. And when you connect child of God with I am, the power of I am floods into those other words. So those words have power now. It has blessings with it. Anything that correlates or connects or embraces the characteristics of God and the phrase I am, when it is spoken, the power of I am floods into those other words. So now the power of I am floods into your entrepreneur uh, title. That I am floods into that author title. That I am floods into that beautiful word that you say. It floods into that handsomeness. It floods into that creativity. Everything you say after I am, the power of I am, if it correlates and connects with God's original intent and design for your life, it gives power to that phrase. And now it gives favor to your life. Woo. Now, let's get down to what John said at the end. I'm done. I'm answering a couple of questions. Verse 23, he said, I am. Uh, John the Baptist was very clear about who he is. He had a personal mission statement. His mission statement was very clear. He said, I am the voice of the one. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. John said, I am the voice <laughs> of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. So his mission in life was to make straight the way of the Lord. 
And he says, I am the voice that will do that. And so what does God want you to do with your voice? Because he wants to uh, create a path through your life that will make straight the path of the Lord to someone else's life. Right now, what I'm doing as the voice of one crying out from Charlotte is making the path straight. And I'm not trying to twist scripture. I'm just giving a principle. Please understand that. We understand what John was doing for Jesus. I'm giving a principle. When you use your voice, knowing who you are, you make crooked paths straight for people. Hear what I'm saying? God does that. I'm not saying we make crooked paths straight for people, but God uses us to make crooked paths straight for people, being vessels used by him. That right now, whatever crooks are trying to crook the crooking the path for my daughter, my words over her life makes those crooked paths straight. Whatever my wife may be going through, anxiety, whatever it is, my presence, my words makes through the help of the Holy Ghost, makes those crooked paths straight, making the way for the Lord into their lives. These principles are vital. Now, here's some points and I'm done. Being clear, being as clear as John the Baptist when defining our purpose and identity is important for several reasons. Number one, clarity of purpose. When we are clear about our purpose and identity, we know who we are and what we are meant to do. This clarity guides our actions and decisions, ensuring that we align our life with our with God's intended purpose. So when you're clear about who you are, man, you're clear about your purpose. I would, I'm not going to give up speaking to be an accountant. I'm not going to give up speaking to be an artist. No, I am a speaker. Number two, authenticity. Clarity and self-identification, knowing who you are clearly, helps us to be authentic and true to ourselves. Just as John the Baptist did not deny who he was, we should embrace our true selves. Authenticity fosters genuine relationships and builds trust with others. Effective communication. Clarity and self-expression makes it easier for others to understand us. This can improve our communication and the way we convey our message or purpose to others. Effective communication. This is who I am. I can't go to the party with you. I can't smoke with you. I can't sleep with you. I can't do this with you. I am who I am by the grace of God. I am because of what God has done in my life. Consistency. When we are clear about who we are, our actions and words become more consistent with our identity and purpose. This consistency builds a sense of trust and reliability. Next, confidence. Clarity about our identity and purpose enhances our self-confidence. It empowers us to embrace our calling and fulfill our mission with conviction. Accountability. A clear self-definition helps us hold ourselves accountable. When we clearly state who we are and what we stand for, we take responsibility for our actions and strive to live up to our purpose. Impact. Next point. Being as clear as John the Baptist enables us to make a significant impact. Just as John's message was straightforward, not crooked, not all over the place, but succinct and straightforward and powerful, our clarity can inspire and lead others in the right direction. Next point, resilience. I'm going through these quickly because I'm going to ask some questions. Clarity about our identity and purpose provides a solid foundation when faced with challenges. Give me one second. When faced with challenges or adversity, this clarity can help us stay focused and resilient. Next point, purposeful living. 
A clear sense of identity and purpose encourages us to lead a more purposeful life. We prioritize actions that align with our purpose, leading to a more fulfilling and meaningful journey. Last but not least, spiritual alignment. For those who have faith in God, being clear about their identity and purpose aligns them with their spiritual calling. This can bring them closer to God and their divine mission. In summary, being as clear as John the Baptist when defining our identity and purpose is crucial for leading a purposeful, authentic, and impactful life. Clarity empowers us to live in alignment with our true calling and make a positive impact in the world. So my friend, I'm going to ask you this question again. Who are you? I'm going to ask you a second question. What do you say over yourselves? I have an activity that I want you guys uh, to go over. It's in the links. Uh, it's in the description box on YouTube. For those who's watching on, uh, let me go ahead and pull that up real quick. If I can give you all that link that you guys can go ahead and get that download the worksheet. It's going to be a great worksheet to help you. It's for free. It's going to help you discover your personal mission statement. And I, my goal is to give you as much value as I can. And if you need extra assistance, of course, we have group coaching programs and other resources that will be a blessing to you. Uh, let me go ahead and share this screen real quick so you can see the activity. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> is that it? Uh, I think. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. That's it. All right. Let me see if y'all can see this with me. Uh, there we go. And so here's the worksheet here. You can download it right now for free at my website, mycoachjosh.com. It says, uh, discovering your personal mission statement. <clears throat> so simple. In this worksheet activity, we will explore the development of your personal mission statement using the testimony of John the Baptist as a source of inspiration. John the Baptist's clear and concise self-awareness can serve as a guide in defining your own um, purpose and mission. Let's keep going. So read the provide read the verse again. Read it for yourself, and reflect on uh, John the Baptist's response to the questions about his identity. Notice how he succinctly stated who he was and what his purpose was. So I want you to answer the following questions: uh, Who are you? In one sentence or a few words, describe your identity. What is your unique purpose or calling in life? And if you don't know, we have some resource that will be a blessing to you. Ver uh, number uh, letter C: <laughs> What values or principles guide your action and decisions? How do you want to make a positive impact in the world and the lives of others? These, this right here will kind of help you to create your personal mission statement like John when he says, I am the voice crying in the wilderness. Based on your answers to, above, to the above questions, begin crafting your personal mission statement. It should be clear, concise, and reflective of your identity and purpose. Use the following format as a guide for your mission statement. I am, put your identity, a child of God, a, a, a husband, a wife, whatever it is, you want to get specific or whatever. Uh, and my purpose is, your unique purpose, guided by, here are my values and principles. Next, I am committed to these positive impacts of contribution to society. So take your time to refine and personalize your mission statement until it feels authentic and meaningful to you. Once you have once you have a draft for your personal mission statement, take a moment to review it and make necessary adjustments. This could be something you do over a period of time. And this is what I want you to do with the IMs. Incorporating I am statements into your worksheets can help reinforce the positive attributes and intentions associated with your personal mission statement. Remember that the I am statement should align with God's character and the virtues you aim to embrace in your journey. 
here, here's an opportunity to list 10 I am statements. So we got different ones. I am loved and cherished by God. I'm a vessel of divine purpose, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end, I want you to take some time to write down 10 I am statements that you can share of your life. And so one of my personal mission statements is to help people uh, grow holistically for God's optimal use. Another a statement of mine is to present to God a people prepared. Another statement of mine is to help people make sense of their lives. Those are more of my uh, purpose uh, uh, statements. And so those are my mission statements for my life, to help people grow holistically for God's optimal use. That's why I've created holistic success programs. That's why I created purpose programs, mindset programs, which are also good resources that you can uh, uh, check out on my website, mycoachjosh.com. If you want to get to a place where you're mentally clear enough to create clearly the things that God wants you to create, or if you're in a place right now and you are a very successful individual, you're successful professionally, but you don't have, uh, uh, you are not the person you need to be for your for your spouse, for your children, for your legacy. You're far away from God and you want to get to a place where you are successful in every area or desire to, st to structure your life to where you're safe. Because a lot of people, they have a lot of money uh, in their lives. They have a lot of success. But they're about to lose their family. And how much money could can you how much money could you save in the future if you save your family, if you save your marriage, if you save your children, if you're whole enough to hold them? So many people right now. And I tell people when you have holes in these areas of your life, those holes will end up putting holes in your success. Because now you got to use your money to pay for the divorce. Now you got to use that money to pay for, for clinical uh, resources and support to get your child off of drugs. Now you got to pay and, and sleep, losing sleep, because now you don't even know where your daughter is. Now you got to uh, uh, navigate through addictions because you're not close to God. How much could you save if you embrace the salvation of Christ in your life and grow deeper in sanctification and become whole? How much could you say? Because right now, a lot of successful people right now are about to run into crises or crisis in their lives. And if you need success or if you need help in the area, check out my holistic success program. Uh, uh, it's available now on my website, mycoachjosh.com. Also, a good, some good resources and books that I think will be a blessing to you all to in this particular topic is my latest book, Multipurpose. This book will give you clear insight about what you should do on site with your purpose in life. Help you better understand your multiple purposes. Also, check out what's a good, another good resource that will help you with this uh, topic. Uh, the Purpose of Singleness will be a great book for you all as well. So that you, for those singles, so you'll be able to set your next level up well because you maximize the currencies you're in. Um, Counterfeit a Counterpart will be a great resource for you. My Mindset Program will be great for you. And my Holistic Success Fulfillment Program will be a great resource for you all. All right, so let's answer some questions. DJ Corbett says, Coach, how did you get over your driving anxiety? Great question, man. I realize if I want to go to the store, if I want to go and get things, I got to drive. Your why has to be greater than the anxiety. Because if you really want the freedom, because you understand, man, yes, people get in car accidents. Yes, things happen. But man, for a lot of us, none of those things happen. The goal is to be a good defensive driver. The goal is to make sure that you that you enjoy the opportunity, because if you do not drive, then how can you really be self-sufficient and be able to enjoy the world around you? So how did I get over by realizing if I really want to uh, enjoy life and get to where I got to go without having to need different people, then I got to make sure I learn how to drive. So what's your why? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? 
and then begin to ex uh, uh, unpack the root reason. Is it because you was in an accident when you was a child? Was it because someone that you loved died in a car accident? Is it because you watched too many whatever uh, uh, videos about crashes and stuff? You got to find a root reason and then begin to allow God to be anchored. What, what I do all the time, I pray over my car before I drive. I pray over myself before I drive. Travel in mercy. Lord, make the crooked path straight. And God has been faithful. September's past says, what did God mean when he said it's hard for a rich man to enter God's kingdom? But he made rich men, Solomon, Job, David. I want to become wealthy. And I seriously don't understand that verse. Well, it is hard for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. It's a one dimensional rich person. A person who's only rich financially is going to be very difficult for them to enter the kingdom of God because their riches is their source. Their riches are their God. But when a person is rich holistically, when a person is rich in spirit, rich in mind, creatively, rich in soul of joy, rich in body with health and rich financially, oh, they're an asset to the kingdom of God. But those people who are rich alone and don't have the richness of salvation and the richness of sanctification and are only rich one dimensionally, then they won't be able to enter, enter God's kingdom and be able to support God's kingdom. Because like the rich young ruler, he walked away when Jesus tackled his idol. The one thing about Jesus, he will always come against your idol. The, the young man came and talked about what commandment, whatever, whatever, whoop, whoop, the question he had with Jesus. And then he was like, what must I do to follow you? And he says, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And he walked away sorrowful because he had great riches. That's what he meant. But Jesus was offering him for him to be holistically rich. You don't think that the Bible was very clear that anyone who follows Christ or loses mother, father, lands, houses for the name of Jesus will not in this life and a life to come be given houses, families, daughters, children. So God is saying if the riches, if the riches hold you, then you're no good for my kingdom. But if you know that you saw the pearl in the field and sold all you had to purchase that field because of that one pearl, that's as equivalent to knowing the, 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 the pricelessness of Jesus and salvation that, that I, I want to be rich holistically. And so those people also were rich, except for Job, Solomon, and David were very successful rich people, but because their riches had them or because their lust had David, they collapsed. But when you're rich holistically, and you're successful holistically, and, and you embody the richness of God spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, professionally, then my friend, you're a great asset to the kingdom of God. God doesn't want us broke, nor does God want everyone rich because God is a, is, is a, a realist. He knows most people can't handle riches. But a broke person breaks things. A broke, the Bible says money answers all things. God wants us to become good stewards. But he wants us to be holistic stewards. So in order to be a steward of wealth, you have to be a steward of health. In order to be a steward of health, you got to be a steward of stealth. You got to be stealth, stealthy. You got to be able to say, you know what? I'm just going to put all my business out there. I'm just going to, I'm going to take care of my family. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to live a quiet and peaceful life. And I'm going to be healthy if I want to be wealthy. Because if everybody knows what you got, then your wealth is exposed. And then your health is exposed. But if you are stealth, stealthy, healthy, 
Then my friend, you set yourself up to be wealthy. But God wants us to be holistic stewards and holistically successful. And that's why my program is for people who have these type of questions. If you desire to be wealthy or you already wealthy, then my friend, you got to ask yourself, do I have full distribution of full holistic wealth? And for that young man, that young woman, that entrepreneur, that executive, that athlete right now who are worth millions and you are highly successful, how's your wife? How's your husband? How's your marriage? See, I said three different things. How's your wife? How's your husband? How's your marriage? How are you in your marriage? How are your children, each of them individually? See, if your wealth supersedes the wealth of your family, then my friend, you're a poor man, you're a poor woman. God will, God, now we can go out there and get it. We can make all the money in the world, and that's good to a degree. But the money that we make in this world should not supersede the people that God has given us in our world. I don't want to make one dollar more than the health, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally of my wife and of my daughter. If my career is leading me out of their sphere and all of a sudden leaves them vulnerable, then my friend, I don't want that money. That's why God limits us for those who truly want to be submitted. And those out there are saying, well, why hasn't God promoted me? Or why has God not made me rich and successful right yet? Why haven't my ideas taken off? And I've been there where I've questioned God. Why, God, am I not talented? Am I not your beloved? Am I not your, your son that truly cares about the people? I said this one and a half years ago. And then when I looked at the state of my wife and I saw that my daughter was being born, I began to understand timing, that God doesn't want me out there traveling the world and not be there for my girls. You see what I'm saying? And so when you understand true wealth from a holistic standpoint, then when you truly care about all the wealth in your life, then you won't pursue just one dimensional wealth. Or God will give supernatural grace to your wife or husband and children to be able to be integrated in your pursuit because they trust that the God that's leading you is not going to lead you to do them. That's why wherever I go, my family travels with me. You see what I'm saying? Like, like I want, I've integrated my family, my standards and my principles within the framework of authentic, true, godly success. So when God is ready for me to get to those extra levels of wealth, that I've already installed within my wealth system, the wealth of my family, the wealth of my marriage, the wealth of my health. So could it be that the reason why God hasn't superseded your wealth is because that he wants to ensure that you have installed wealth principles in every area of your life? Or could it be that you're wealthy right now and you've superseded God's principles, or maybe you wasn't aware of God's principles, and now you foresee that you're about to lose your wife you're about to lose your husband. And some of y'all already lost them. They just ain't divorced you yet. You already know the temperament that your wife ain't, her heart's not with you. Your children's heart's not with you. Your heart in your heart is not with you. It's not, it's not healthy. You already know that your walk with God is distant. And do you know that if you keep on being persistent in your distance, then my friend, you're going to miss it and you're going to actually lose your wealth? The Bible says, what profits a man if they gain the whole world and lose their soul, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What profits a man or woman to, to gain his whole world, but lose their soul, lose their wife, lose their husband, lose their children, lose their health, and ultimately lose their eternity? Because whatever holes you have in your life right now, 
that you haven't allowed God to bridge that gap and to surgically bring together and make what was once a wound into a scar of remembrance as a monument to other people not to do these different things and as a monument to you not to repeat these things anymore, then if you don't bring, bridge those gaps and fix those holes right now, my friend, no matter how wealthy you are, my friend, then my friend, when it comes down to your money, the holes in your life will put holes in your purse. The holes in your life will put holes in your wallet. The holes in your life will put holes in your bank account. And now all that health and wealth you spent is now paying for an expense that was paid for on a cross, but because you try to pay for it yourself in different ways, you still lost it many ways. And so if you need help in this area and you like, yo, Josh, Coach Josh, I am a highly successful individual. I am successful professionally, or I'm on the path of professional success or success in my purpose, entrepreneurially, career-wise or whatever. But man, coach, what you said is so true. I, even if I'm, even if you're single, you're like, man, that's alarming. And you want to install these wealth principles in your life, or if you already in some of these categories, whether it's a spouse or parent or, or whatever it is, your, your walk with God is not solid, your health is not solid, but you want to install wealth in principles in your life so that you can experience a thriving marriage, a thriving parental and, and child experience, a thriving walk with God, a thriving uh, health and vitality and success. Because when you take care of your marriage and you take care of your home and you take care of your children and you take care of your health and you take care of your walk with God, my friend, Friend, you attract an abundance of favor that your money can't even pay for. Do you know that God wants to save your money too? I love God's favor. I don't got to pay for much. I haven't paid for much in my life <laughs> because, because that's why I keep these principles installed in my life. I've lived these principles. And so my program has five steps to high fulfillment. And if you want to want me to walk you through that journey, whether you can join my six month uh, uh, intensive uh, course, or if you want to be a part of my 12 month mastermind inner circle, where we really talk about higher fulfillment. And in 12 months, you will have these wealth principles installed in your life. That's if you want the comprehensive one and you want that iron sharpens iron and you want that personalized one-on-one -on -one touch. And you really want that me getting into your life and helping you. But most importantly, you are embodying the skills that will fulfill God's will in every area. And my friend, go to my website now, mycoachjosh.com. And join me today, my friend. We're starting pretty soon. But the, the mastermind, the inner circle part, man, you can join anytime. So if you're watching this video, it's, it's uh, October 31st right now. But if you're watching this in November, December, jump in now. But if you need to, if you're not, if you missed that mark and you're looking for a mindset program or the fulfillment program, six months intensive, then join the wait list today. Or you may be able to get in today. But you got to be ready to invest in yourself. Because those who pay a little, pay little attention. People who pay nothing, pay no attention. Those who are willing to invest them, in themselves will pay a lot of attention, my friend. And the work has already been done for you. Let's get to work. So I hope they answered your question and anybody else who had anything of that nature. Georgia Davis says, what up, Coach Josh? Is Georgia out of Fort Worth, Texas. How do I learn to chill on my work ethic? Sometimes I can go too hard sometimes and tire myself out. Here is a, here was a video that God, I think, wants me to do sometime this week. It's about partnership. I put it in my phone. He gave it to me today. The beauty of being in partnership with God. And my friend, I'm going to give you some points that I kind of have been uh, brainstorming with God now. Is that um, when you know that you're in partnership with God and that God has favor for the believer, 
then all you do is focus on mastery. The issue is some of us, we have some root reasons of why we want it to be our season. And then we overextend ourselves when we're actually in partnership with God. It kind of goes to what I said before. A lot of us don't understand that God is delaying certain things to give us time to develop these other areas. Could it be that the reason why God has not opened the doors for you that even your work ethic can't even open is because he wants to make sure that you have uh, uh, distributed your work ethic into other places that he doesn't want all your work ethic to be professional. He also wants your work ethic to be in personal development. He wants your work ethic to be distributed down to who you're going to be as a husband and who you are going to be as a father. He wants you to start installing these different wealth principles in every area of your life. So sometimes we got to take all this work ethic in this one area, balance it out in every area and focus on mastery in these different areas so that we can grow holistically for God's optimal use. And so I had to chill and work at the right now, man, I trust God's time right now. I used to be that same guy. I used to be that guy that will go hard, get two or three hours of sleep and, and, and will worry and be anxious about when is my time. But then I realized, man, when I was in that hospital room with anxiety attacks and wonder if I was going to die and stuff, I realized this is for the birds. <laughs> this ain't for me. This ain't for, for a child of God. I trust you, God. And now God knows my time. I don't I don't try to make videos go viral. I don't try. I do what I I'll do. Message that Jesus tell me to do. The Holy Ghost tell me to do. I like because I know that I'm in partnership with him. And when you're in partnership with him, you guarantee to make it to those different areas of your life. So don't be too hard. Don't go too hard, man. Go to sleep. Get some rest. Do what you can. Because if you try to do what God, what only God can, then my friend, you will find yourself with too much in your hands and not able to steward it. Two more and I got to go. Living Adventure says, how do you handle people that ghost you when they try to come back in your life? Ghost them. If people ghost you, be friendly, ghost to them. So when people ghost you and they disappear and they try to jump back in, they realize that the grass wasn't as green as they thought they was. They ghost you because they were scared of you. They ghost you because they were scared of your growth. They ghost you because they were scared of your requirements. They ghost you because they, you was, they were scared of your standards. So they ghosted you. And now when they went out there and found out that that they had it better with you than they did with the woman out there, they had it better with you than they did without that. Don't be like the prodigal son's father and welcome back because that ain't your child. That ain't your responsibility. So when people go through and come back into your life, you have to first understand the value and the validity of your life. You got to have you got to love yourself so much that you understand, hey, I'm not going to allow my empathy to be emptied by this emptiness of this individual. So if this person's already empty and they're trying to use your empathy to make them full and now you're empty, those people are, are not worth being connected to. So if they ghosted you and they didn't give, give you no clarity, they didn't respect you. And the person that respect you on this day ain't going to respect you today. So when they try to come back in life, make it where they can't come back in your life because they had one shot. Some people, you have to understand this. I tell this to people all the time. Sometimes you got to be someone's lesson when they haven't, when they didn't first receive you as their blessing. If you were a blessing to them and they still abused you, they still ghosted you, then now you got to become their lesson. I love becoming lessons to people who I was once a blessing to. It is what it is. There's been a lot of people throughout my life that, that went from being blessed by me by being a lesson from me or learning lessons from me. They learned the lesson of what they should not do to the next good person. 
And so, man, listen, if they didn't if they didn't embrace or respect you as a blessing, then let them read you as a lesson. So they'll be able to receive the blessing that God has for them. That's not you. Hope they'll. Joy Summer says, if you married the wrong one, does God expect you to stay married because he hates divorce? God, God can redeem anything, man. If you married the wrong one, plenty of people married the wrong one. But God is faithful and gracious. Those two people find Christ and they want to change their life. God can turn a wrong one into a right one. And so if you in a situation like that where you married the wrong one, man, now you got to ask for the sufficiency of God's grace, man. <laughs> now you got to you got to you got to do some work. That doesn't mean uh, uh, be self-condemning or being mad at yourself. If you say, OK, this is what it is. I accept it. And now I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to be I'm going to do what the word says. And I'm going to believe that if one person in the household is saved, the whole household can be saved. Renew says powerful word. I am being transformed in the love of the I am. That's right. Amen. I am self-controlled and self-disciplined. Ellie says, this makes me super sad. My brother and I also suffer from, uh, uh, I don't know what that is, my friend. I can't even copy and paste that. Malo uh, let me see. Thank God for Google. I'm not I'm not well versed in that, my friend, but that's nothing too hard for God. I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure what that is, um, but I will research. And if you ask me again another day and I've done some study, I will answer your question for sure. Or maybe this goes with it. Maybe this goes with it. Cause I kind of read some definition. How to break the habit of daydreaming and fantasizing. I feel like I'll be forming mental worlds and fantasies with women who I will probably never be with. My friend, you have to uh, uh, accept the self-control of the Holy Spirit. But this is the path to self-control. Let me, let me get this scripture right quick. Here is the path to self-control. Let me make sure I get in the right version. I don't do that NIV stuff. Uh, that's crazy how they do NIV as the first one, no matter what you search. Galatians 5.22 says, and let me share this just for, um, here's the path to self-control. The Bible says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, let's break this verse down. Like I said earlier in the video, I said that the word of God has principles. The word of God, just don't be splattering words like that without it being some uniqueness to it. Some of us, we sped by this verse. Some of us went 75 in this 15 mile per hour zone. We went so fast and we didn't really take the time to look at it. It says fear, but the fruit, it didn't say fruits. It says the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit means that you can't have one without the other. Fruit is singular. Fruits is plural. If it said the fruits of the spirit is love, joy, peace, that means I can go to the shelf and take love, but leave joy. I can take kindness, but leave patience. I can take faithfulness, but leave self-control. It says fruit for a reason because it's singular, meaning that you can't have one without the other. Now, when you take some time to read the verse, you begin to see these are in order and they give you a path to self-control. When you know that you're God's beloved and you know that you're loved by God, then you begin to find the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. 
When you are become a joyful person that spawns from knowing that you're loved by God, now the byproduct of joy is that you have peace. You can't be at peace without joy. You can't be in joy without love. Once you are a peaceful person, you naturally become patient. You've never met an impatient, peaceful person, a person at peace of, of who they are in Christ, a person at peace on what God wants to do, a person at peace of contentment, being no matter where God has them, they're content wherever he has them. So love produces joy. <clears throat> joy produces peace. Peace produces patience. Have you ever met a kind, impatient person? Have you ever met a kind person in the midst of their impatience? No, you haven't. They're a little bit short, they're a little bit disturbed, whatever. So kindness is a byproduct of patience. Patience is a byproduct of peace. Peace is a byproduct of joy. Joy is a byproduct of love. Now, when you're loving, you're joyful. When you're joyful, you're peaceful. When you're peaceful, you're patient. When you're patient, you're kind. And when you're kind, you do good. When you're kind, you do good. And when you do good, and you see good in others, and you see good in your marriage, and you see good with your children, then you become faithful. You can't be faithful if you're not good. You can't be good if you're not kind. You can't be kind if you're not patient. You can't be patient if you're not peaceful. You cannot be peaceful if you're not joyful. You can't be joyful if you're not loved. And when you're faithful, then you naturally become gentle with what you're faithful towards. Now you become a gentle husband to your wife that you're faithful to. Now you become a gentle wife to the husband you're faithful to. Now you become a gentle parent to the children you're faithful to. Now you become gentle to the co-workers you're faithful to, employer you're faithful to, the marketplace that you're committed to. And when you're gentle with yourself, you have self-control. So back to your question. Let's see where your question is. So how to break the habit of daydreaming and fantasizing? First off, to answer that particular question is, you got to be able to say what part of this is rooted or it doesn't find its root in God's love towards me. <clears throat> so if you have a habit of daydreaming and fantasizing and there's a lack of self-control in the area, then you got to be able to say, okay, what does, what does God's love have to do with me? Or what's the real reason why I'm doing this? And it's a habit that I can't control. He says, I feel like I'll be forming mental worlds and fantasies with women who I will probably never be with. So that shows that you don't know that you're loved by God. Because when you know that you're loved by God, let's go back to it. When you know that you're loved by God, right, then the joy of the Lord is your strength. Then you don't find joy in fantasy anymore. You don't find joy in daydreaming anymore because you know that God loves you and that God wants love wants to cause you to rise above, right? And then when you get to that place of love, knowing that God loves you and enjoy the Lord's strength, then you'll be at peace knowing that, hey, first off, I know that God's got a wife for me, right? And then all of a sudden, now you become patient. You become kind. That kindness is key. Now you become kind to the women you daydreaming about. And you're like, you know what? That ain't my wife. I can't be thinking about her. Because when you know that you love by God, it gets rid of the lust. Lust is just an overbearing desire for anything. Lust is just not all sexual. Lust stems from not knowing or being aware or accepting or embracing or walking in the love of God. And so now when you begin to think about those young women as God's children, sons, I mean, not sons, but daughters of God, then you begin to say, this is wrong. God loves me too much and God loves them too much for me to be wasting my time lusting or whatever it is, daydreaming about them. I got to start working in my life and turn my real dreams of success into realities. And also you have to realize that's a superpower. So the enemy loves to take our most vivid, distinctive gifts and pervert them. 
And so if you got a gift of daydreaming and fantasizing, and man, what movies does God have inside of you? What scripts does God have inside of you? What vivid uh, abilities that God has for you through that gifting that has been to a degree been perverted or has been used outside of this divine purpose? Yeah, yeah, so... Let me answer two more and I'm done. That's right. That's right. John the Baptist was cool. I got you. I got you, family. The praise concept says, hello, how to overcome having a chameleon personality. It means um, you try to fit in. First, you got to find yourself uh, beginning to process. Number one, why do you try to fit in? Now, it could be that you just have a gift in the area because I, it's crazy that my favorite verse is to become all things to all men that I might have that I might win some. That's that's a personality trait of mine where I'm able to actually function in many different areas like a Swiss Army knife, multiple, multiply, multiply useful. Right. That I'm able to go in different areas and do different things. I'm not to be around these type of people, not to be around these type of people, but I don't lose myself. Back in the day, I would lose myself in these different groups that I did not have an authentic individual to come back to. But I take my true authentic self to every environment. The only thing that changes in the environment is not me, but how I engage. So that's actually a good gift. That's a part of your personality trait, that you're able to function in different areas and be a good resource to those areas. But the goal is to ask yourself, what about you that you don't love about you? What about you gets lost in these different groups? And then when you come back home, there's nobody there at home that's authentically the person that you was meant to be. Something I got to go, y'all. Love you all. Thank y'all so much for trusting me with y'all's questions. Check out the links in my description box below. Uh, books, card games, uh, books like uh, Multipurpose. If you want to find and understand your multiple purpose in life, there's a great book here. If you're struggling with soul ties and strongholds, the book, The Purpose of Freedom, is a great book. If you're struggling with whether or not this person or thing in front of you is God's counterpart or the devil's counterfeit, counterfeit a counterpart, be a great resource for you. If you're struggling with uh, your feelings and your emotions, you want to find the facts behind them so that you can get back to fulfilling your purpose, facts on feelings, be a great resource for you. If you're struggling with wholeness and you want to hold the things in your life better, this book, The Wholeness Journal, be a great resource for you. Also get the card game, which would be a great resource on wholeness. If you're single and you want to understand the purpose of your singleness so that you can understand and be able to live out the purpose of mingleness, then this book, The Purpose of Singleness, would be a great resource, great resource for you. Great resource for you. If you're single or dating someone or you're married, this dating prep resource will help you date the love of your life forever. It will give you the right questions to either end the wrong relationship or extend the right one. If you have a young person, whether third grade, fourth grade, and up, even up to high school, this book, as he says, will be a great resource for your young person to help them start their art early. If you're struggling with spiritual warfare and you want to better understand the whole armor of God, this book, World War Me, will be a great resource for you. We also have merch and also our well-done merch line, which will actually be a great a witnessing tool and a great tool, uh, motivational tool for you. Also, we have three group coaching, signature coaching programs, Resilient, which is a mindset mastery program. Uh, we have two uh, purpose programs. So check those programs out. And I love you all. Y'all be blessed. Catch y'all next time. Let's see what we got here. Love y'all. And if you feel like you was blessed by this, you want to be a support, 
financially, however you want to do, we accept your generosity in advance. You can also give back to our mentoring program on our website, uh, mycoachhouse.com. If you want to bless the uh, TV, not TV, Lord, if you want to uh, be a support to the YouTube channel, help us to get this thing out to more people. You can also do that as well. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Catch y'all next time. Mycoachjosh.com. Love you all. Peace.